All right, good morning again. This morning, in, in just a little bit, many of you, parents and, and grandparents, will be heading over to East Park with your kids from our kids' ministry to go through the Easter egg hunt. And, and my guess is that you're gonna get home and you're gonna do Easter lunch and then the kids are gonna get to do Easter eggs maybe in the backyard. And, and across this country today, in millions of backyards, eggs will be hunted. And if you think about maybe years in the past, and, and maybe if this is your first year with a child or a grandchild to get to watch them hunt eggs, let me just tell you a little bit of what you're gonna be uh, in for. Um, because as a parent, watching your child hunt Easter eggs can, can be a great thing, and, and it can also be um, a very disappointing thing. Because if, if you are a parent, you know, you, you want your kid to be, you know, the, the fastest, the, you know, like, like hunting eggs, like, come on, like get out there, you gotta get them, get them in your bag, all that kind of thing. And, and so a lot of times we watch our kids just dart around the backyard and they're spotting eggs up in high in a tree and they're finding them somehow deep in a hole. But if you've been here, you know the, the pain of this moment. As your child runs clear across the backyard to find an egg that nobody can see and misses the one that's right next to him in the grass. <laughs> and they will run by that egg at least a dozen times and never know it's there. And you're up like, you, you, like it's right there. Open your eyes, just stop for a second and, and look, it's right there. And they're gonna miss it over and over and over again. And as a parent, like I've been there, I, I, I remember those moments and, and I, I, I'm with you. I just wanna tell you, be careful. Because as frustrated as you are gonna be in that moment, tomorrow morning, you might not be able to see your keys. So I'm thinking maybe it's a hereditary thing or something. I, I just want you to be aware of that. Don't be too hard on them because, because honestly, you, you've been there. You've been there. This morning, I want to share with you three stories of people who missed Jesus. So last Friday, Jesus died. He was in the tomb. His disciples and lots of people, thousands of people, watched him die. A handful of people watched him get buried in that tomb and the stone rolled in front of it. And Ray shared this morning a, a little bit of the story that we're gonna kind of start with in the message. The women who have gone to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus with spices and, and to wrap it. Now this burial was a very, very important thing and it still is today in Middle Eastern countries. And so the fact that the women were unable to do that because of the Sabbath, <laughs> she's listening to me, uh, the, the fact that the women didn't get to do that because it was the Sabbath on Friday night was very difficult for them. And so early Sunday morning, in fact, Luke's gonna tell us very early dawn, like even before the sun had really come up, they hurried out to the tomb where Jesus had been buried in order to anoint his body with the spices and the oils that they had. It was a very solemn time for them. And as they approached the tomb, they discovered that the stone that had been rolled in front of the tomb was gone. 
Now, they, they discover several things in, in this moment. It's a little bit bigger of a moment than just like the stone is rolled away. Like, like okay, b- big deal. In fact, if you look in the original language, what you find out is that the stone wasn't just kind of pushed back a little bit. The stone was actually in a place it was never intended to be. It had been rolled back almost like it was, it was blown out of the way, like it was, like it was pushed, like the $6 million man moved the stone. You, do you remember who that is? Steve Austin? Okay, some of you. Gray hair. Gray hair. Why are you talking to me? Okay, um, so they moved. The stone was out of the way. The other thing that's interesting is the Romans had placed soldiers, guards, at the tomb. So the women just weren't worried about the stone. They were worried about the guards. They were worried about how they were going to get it out of the way. And when they show up to the tomb, the stone is gone. The guards are gone. Nobody is there. And they begin looking for Jesus. In fact, this empty tomb freaks them out. They wonder, um, who, who has taken Jesus? Why did they take him? Like, they've probably been with the disciples. They knew it wasn't them. Who did this? What happened to the body of Jesus? And it's in this moment that an angel appears. And the angel says this very important thing to him, them, why do you seek the living among the dead? I want you to put yourself in the place of these women um, for a minute. For the last several years, they have watched and listened to Jesus intently. They have followed him around as he's gone from place to place and he's taught about the scriptures in ways that nobody had ever heard before. And he shared things with them that nobody had ever understood before. It was an incredibly life-transforming journey for them as they followed Jesus. They had heard him on many occasions talk about how he would die and then he would be raised from the dead. But whatever Jesus said before he died really was lost because of what the women had seen in the last few days. Whatever Jesus said, they heard him say, I'm going to die and I'm going to come back to life. But they had now watched him die. And dead bodies are found in tombs. And so that's where they were. When, the doubt, when we doubt the words of Jesus, we start looking for him where we expect him to be, not where, we said, not where he said he would be. And, and you probably know this. At some point in your life, you have doubted that Jesus was with you, doubted that, that Jesus was fulfilling the promises that, that he made, doubting that he was leading you in the way you thought he was. And when that doubt begins to creep in, we begin to look for him in places we expect him to be, not in the places where he said he would be. Let me give you a few examples. When we begin to doubt Jesus' promise, that he would never leave us or forsake us, we start looking for him in everybody else's success and we miss him in our own struggle. When we doubt Jesus' words of forgiveness, we start looking for him to show up like once we clean up, once we, once we stop cheating, once we get back to church, that's where we think Jesus is going to be found and we miss that he is with us in the middle of our failures. When we begin to doubt that Jesus actually loves us, well, then we begin to look for him only when we feel lovely and we miss him being with us in our ugly. And so if you want to see Jesus, 
You've got to look for him where he said he would be instead of where you expect him to be. Now, unlike the women who had hurried to the tomb that day, the next section of Luke 24 talks about two men who were actually moving pretty slowly. They weren't moving toward the tomb. They were actually, they were actually moving out of town. Like the things that had happened over the last 48 hours or so were so, they, they were so terrible to them that, that these guys just like, they had to get out. They had to get away. And so they were heading out of town. We don't know who these two were. And I think maybe Luke um, gives them some anonymity on purpose. He doesn't want us to know who they are. We just know that they're two of Jesus' disciples and they're headed away from Jerusalem. While they were walking out of town, I want you to get this picture. Um, They were kind of walking out of town like the Philadelphia Eagles down the tunnel after the Super Bowl. You got that picture? Did you, did you see them? I, I know we've got some Eagles fans. I know you know the feeling. Th- this is how they were walking out of, out of town. All the dreams, all the aspirations, all the expectations that they had had just a few days before were now shattered. Everything that they had talked about, everything they had dreamed about, all of the, all of the statements they have made, had made about how they were gonna be the winners It's gone. And as they walked out of town, just dejected and and tired, like probably the the, uh, Charlie Brown song was playing in the background as they walked out of town, they talked. And and probably they talked about um, how they expected Jesus to be the one, the one that God had promised, the, the Messiah. But now that he's dead, how could he be? Like, there's no way. But to none of these people with Jesus at that moment, none of this made sense. You cannot, you cannot be the king and be dead. It just, it's just not possible. And so everything that they had hoped, everything that they had dreamed, all the plans that they had made were now nothing. And, and while they walk, Lost in their, their conversation and their, their depression, a, a man comes to walk with them. And this man is silent at first, and he just kind of joins them as they walk. They're lost in this conversation. They're not really paying attention. But eventually, this guy speaks. And, and the first thing he asks, he's just been listening to what they were talking about. And so he says, what are you talking about? I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, what's going on here? And, and the question, it's interesting as you read the story, the question stunned the two men so badly that they, they actually stopped walking. And, and you could kind of like, they just looked at him like, what in the world are you? Who are you? What rock did you just crawl out from under? That was a hint, by the way. What rock did you just crawl out from under? They like, don't know what's going on. There's no way you could not know what's been happening. How could he have been in Jerusalem? Because that's where he was headed away from and heard nothing of this dead man, Jesus. That's their question. Now, if you go and read the, the story, if you, if you go to Luke 24 and you read the story, you will find out that the third man that joined the other two was actually Jesus, but the two guys walking didn't recognize him. 
And, and before we get too upset with the two guys, remember they're, they're at the lowest point of their lives and Jesus is dead. They watched him die. They might've been there when they stuck him in the tomb and rolled the stone uh, in the front of the opening. There was no way this guy could be Jesus. And so it didn't even cross their minds. There was just no way. It never occurred to them that this could be Jesus. And as they begin to walk and talk again, this man, this third man, this Jesus began to tell them um, about, uh, they begin to talk, sorry, about Jesus. Begin to talk about Jesus. They begin to talk about how they had hoped he was somebody, but it says in the text that they said he was just a prophet, a mighty prophet or a powerful prophet who was betrayed by religious leaders and then punished and condemned to death before being crucified on a Roman cross. And they spoke of how they had hoped, they had hoped that he was the Messiah. But dead men can't be kings. And so that hope had now been dashed. It was, it was not possible anymore. And they continued to walk and then Jesus began to share with the other two. And, and he spoke about, about how Jesus' pain and passing didn't prevent God's plans, but how the pain and passing of Jesus actually fulfilled God's purpose. And the two men had never crossed their minds that God could use the death of his son, the promised Messiah, the king of Israel, to bring about his purpose. It was completely unheard of. They just couldn't believe it. Too often in our lives, I think, we, we feel like the powerful, the, the, the painful things that we go through, the, the problems and the struggles that we face in, in life, in our relationships or our finances, our jobs or our, our families, we think that the pain and the, the problems and the struggles must mean that God doesn't care about us. And we think that if a loving God really loved us, then everything would be perfect in our lives. We think that only when things are going perfect can God's purpose be fulfilled. But Jesus proves, his life proves, and as he shared with these two men, he showed them how through our pain, God is actually working his plan to fulfill a greater purpose. A purpose that maybe we would never even have considered. And so Jesus is trying to help them understand, look, just because everything didn't go perfect doesn't mean that God's not still fulfilling his purpose. And so if you want to see Jesus, you've gotta be looking for him when there's problems and not just when things are perfect. And that's hard, isn't it? Because we've all been there. We've all been in the middle of problems and struggles. There's been pain in our lives and it's difficult for us to see Jesus in those moments. Now, if you weren't familiar with the first two stories about the women at the tomb and the two men on the, on the road, there's a good chance that you're going to recognize this third story. To get to it, we're going to jump from Luke's gospel, uh, Luke's biography of Jesus to John's. And I just want to share this part of the text with you. Now, Thomas, you probably know exactly who we're talking about, right? 
Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, he was not with them when Jesus came. So Jesus has already appeared to the other 10 disciples in an upper room. That's already happened. This is after that. So the other disciples, they tell Thomas, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas says to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, unless I place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. And that's a pretty bold statement. I think if we look at the life of Thomas, at least in the scriptural account, Thomas is one of those guys who seems to be always on the fringe of the story. Like his deeds are not recorded like, like, like maybe Matthew or, 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 or Luke or some of the other guys. It, Thomas seems to be like always just a little bit late to the party. I mean, his nickname is the twin. Like he's not, he's not even important. He's just that guy that kind of shows up whenever he's just tagging along with the rest of them. He's not really involved in what's going on. And so it's no surprise that Thomas is not with the other guys when Jesus first appears to, appears to his disciples after his death and resurrection. And so when the other guys get to him, the other 10 get to Thomas, they're like, they tried to convince him that Jesus was alive. And, and Thomas did exactly what the women did in the story. He refused to believe what he had heard because of the things that he had seen. He's like, no, I watched him die. And we know that's what he's saying because he talks about the nail marks in his hands. I saw what happened. I know he's dead. And, and it seems like in the story, this finally is the one place where Thomas decides to make a name for himself. He's like, this is the hill I'm going to die on. And if you have a little brother, you can probably remember a moment like this in your life where your little brother finally decides this is the moment where I don't bend. I'm going to stand here and I'm going to make my point and I'm going to prove myself and if you are a little brother like me, you probably just want to forget that moment. <laughs> was not pleasant, probably, <laughs> for you. Wasn't pleasant for, for me. And this is where Thomas, this is where Thomas is. Thomas declares, unless I see the marks in his hand, and, and then and then Thomas like doubles down, right? He's like, no, it's not gonna be enough just for me to see the marks in his hands. He says, unless I place my finger in the mark where the nails were in his hands, I put my hand in his side, I will never believe. Like he has drawn a line in the sand. He, I am not moving. And for eight days, Thomas had to sit with that. For eight days, Thomas had to stew and to wonder and to fight the urge to believe no matter how sure everyone else was around him that Jesus was alive. You gotta know that they were coming to him at every opportunity. They were like, look, Thomas, we, we saw him. Like, we promised we saw him. He's alive. And Thomas is like, nope, nope, nope. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna bend this time. I'm not gonna give in this time. I've been hurt too many times. I'm not gonna do it. Until the eighth day. When Thomas this time is with the rest of the disciples and Jesus appears in a locked room. 
And this time Thomas is in attendance. Here's what it says. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, just like they were before, Jesus came and stood among them and he said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, you, you can, like, pr he, prob like, he probably just looked. Like, where was Thomas? He's in the back corner of the room behind everybody else. He's like, please don't, please don't look at me. Jesus just turns and he says to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands. Put out your hand and place it into my side. Don't disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. This is the most direct and profound statement that's been made about Jesus since anybody has seen him alive again. And Jesus says, you have believed because you have seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's you and me, by the way. So Thomas is there in the room and for eight days he has remained stoic and immovable in the face of all his friends trying to convince him otherwise. He was finally the guy that everybody else was talking about. He was the one who wasn't gonna fall for it. He was the one who wasn't gonna be taken in until he sees him. And until Jesus calls him forward and says, go ahead, Thomas, put your finger in the hole in my hand and believe. It's a difficult moment for Thomas. These all have been difficult moments. When what you thought had been shattered has suddenly be put back together, it's a difficult moment. But if you have ever struggled with your faith, or if you're here today and you walked in the doors kind of feeling like Thomas, thinking I don't care what they say, I refuse to believe. I want you to notice some things in these three stories that I think is pretty important. When Jesus confronts Mary outside the tomb, she doesn't recognize him. But instead of condemning her, he just calls her name. He says, Mary. She responds. When Jesus confronts the two men walking down the road, he doesn't condemn them for not being able to see that God's plans can't be stopped even because there's some problems and pain. Instead, he just explains that sometimes it's the pain and problems that lead directly to God's purpose. And when Jesus confronts Thomas, his first words aren't harsh. <laughs> He doesn't condemn Thomas for not believing the other disciples. The text says he literally comes in peace to the men. So many people, I think, miss Jesus because they're expecting him to condemn them for not believing or not being better people. If I could just be a better person, then maybe God would accept me. And, and look, if, if that's you today, if you have ever felt that way, that I've just gotta be better, if I could just be a little better, if I could be a good person, if I could stop doing the things that I've been doing, if I could just do the things that I know God would want me to do, then he's gonna be there. I, I want you to know today that, that Jesus isn't condemning you. He's calling to you. 
Jesus doesn't waste his time. He doesn't spend his time condemning you for the things you've done or the fact that you haven't believed or because you've messed up or because there's problems or pain in your life. He just calls you into something new and better. Just like he did with the women at the tomb. Just like he did with the two men on the road uh, away from Jerusalem. And just like he did with Thomas. Whatever you have thought about Jesus and yourself, we want you to know that Jesus doesn't hold you hostage to your doubt. He loves you through it. Today, we don't want you to miss Jesus because you're looking for him where you expect him to be instead of where he said he'd be. And we don't want you to miss Jesus because you think your life has been too full of problems and too full of pain to be of any real purpose in his kingdom. Don't miss Jesus because you just can't believe what you've seen despite all that people have said. Today, we want you to see Jesus. And we want you ultimately to respond just the way Thomas did when he saw the nail holes in Jesus' hands and said, my Lord and my God, we want Jesus to be personal to you. And so today, if you want to know more about how to find real life in Jesus and look more like him every day, please take a minute today, this afternoon, tomorrow, Go to reallifecc.us on your mobile device. Click that orange plus icon and then select the link, I'm ready. You're gonna find a next step in that list that might be right for you. And then at the bottom of that page, just fill out the form and we'll be in touch with you. And if you're sitting there today and you're like going, okay, I don't do technology. I don't know um, what's going on. We're gonna have an iPad in the back and be back there and we can help you through that process um, today. We want you to see Jesus today and we hope you have. Let's pray. God, thanks for loving us and thank you for being with us even in our pain and our problems, even when things aren't going the way we expect them to. God, we just want to see you and we wanna look like you. God, thank you for bringing us here this morning to celebrate the empty tomb and the, the truth, the promise that is there that just because things aren't always perfect doesn't mean they lack purpose. We want to be a part of that. We know that you have a purpose and plan for us and for each and every one here today. You want us to be a part of your family you want us to be in relationship with you. And so you don't hold our doubt over our heads. You just love us through it. And we thank you for that, God. Today, would this be the day that our lives begin to transform as we move from a place of disbelief to a place of faith? Like the women, like the two men, like Thomas, would we come to the place where we see you and then follow you with all that we have. Thanks God for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.